Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hello everyone. It's a privilege to be here in your presence. Today I'm going to be sharing about the Lord's Supper. Yes, and we're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper after the teaching. So let's just uh, start with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this day and I thank you for what we're going to partake. I just commit everything that I speak into your hands and I pray that there will be clarity. Holy Spirit, hover over everyone here and let there be a fresh understanding, a fresh reminder of what you've done through our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we know in Acts chapter 2, the church was formed. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples came together and they were sitting and praying in the upper room. And Jesus had told them, wait, because the Holy Spirit will come on you. And so they very obediently, they sat together and prayed. And we know that the Holy Spirit came on them. And it was the time of Pentecost. And Pentecost is a time where Jews of different countries, from different nations, come into Jerusalem to celebrate the fest, the feast. And uh, so they hear, you know, the people there talking in different languages. And they're surprised, what is this? And we know that Peter rose up and said, this is what was spoken of in the Old Testament. And it, it was spoken earlier that the Holy Spirit would come on them. And he explained about how Jesus had come, died, and was resurrected. And that's how 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Just imagine, if 3,000 people suddenly join us, what would the, the chaos be like? And so the disciples were thinking, they must have thought, how do we take the church from here? But they were wise enough to know how to do it. So we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That devoting, that word is to continue to do something with intense effort. Okay? So these are the four things the early church, you know, uh, established. So just, can we say that together? The, the, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So that is how the early church started. But even now, these four things are so important in the church. So today I will be sharing more about the Lord's Supper. And then again, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So they went to the temple and they also went from house to house. And it was in houses also that they broke bread. Yeah? So how was it started? How did it start? In Luke chapter 22, we read how the night before he was crucified, Jesus celebrated the Passover meal 
with the disciples, isn't it? That night, the Lord instituted the, 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 what we call the Lord's Supper. And it's also known by other names. Uh, it's called breaking of bread and also communion. It's written in different verses in the Bible. This institution of the Lord's Supper is mentioned in three Gospels. In Matthew chapter 26, in Mark 14, and Luke 22. So it's something that I think the disciples thought this is very important. We should mention what Jesus said before going. And so all the three uh, disciples. And in John's Gospel, we have a whole lecture about it. Not so much of this, the, these verses, but about what happened then. About how he washed the feet of the disciples and how he spoke to them how to go ahead. Okay? So... Uh, in Luke 22, verse 14 and 15 says, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So uh, Jesus, uh, you know, he used to celebrate the Passover every year. So now he's 33 years. But he said, This is a special Passover. And I wanted to, you know, celebrate it with you because this Passover is going to have a new meaning because of what I'm going to do. Okay? So what do you mean? What is the significance of the Passover? Most of us know that Jacob's descendants, they were in Egypt. They were slaves there for 430 years. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, deliver us. We want out. We want to get out. There's a promise ahead of us, but we're stuck here. So God gives them, tells, sends Moses. And we know about the ten, the plagues, the ten plagues, and how God shows his greatness through these plagues. And it's at the tenth plague, is the, the plague of the, where the firstborn is being killed. And God tells the Israelites how they should stand in that time of plague. Um, what does he do? He says, during that time, I want each family to take a lamb that is one year old, a male lamb without blemish, keep it uh, on the 10th day, you should buy that lamb in your house. And on the 14th day, you, you have to kill it. And you kill it, and then after that, you partake of it as a family. You should not leave anything behind. The whole uh, lamb should be eaten. And along with the lamb, he said, you have to eat bitter herbs and unleavened bread. So this is what God said. And then they, they, they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the doorpost and the lintels. And so when the angel of death crossed by, they saw the house, saw the blood, he passed over. And there was no harm to the Israelites. But to the Egyptians who didn't know that, we know that that night there was so much sorrow. One son, even from the Pharaoh's house to the, the lowest, the poorest person, the firstborn died. And even the firstborn of the livestock. Yeah? So that is the significance of what happened. And so the Lord said, I want you to celebrate this Passover every year. And uh, so every generation would say, this Passover is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. The redemption wasn't just for them, but it's for us now. So every year they have a meal. It's called a seder meal. Seder means order. So there's a lot of things that the rituals, that things that they do during that meal. Uh, they are remembering how God was faithful and took them out of Egypt and brought them into the promise, into freedom. 
so we i said that there was no leaven uh, so leaven is yeast so the bread that was ba- being ba- baked for those seven days should not have any yeast so this uh, they used to clean the house so that there's no yeast in the house so no one accidentally puts the yeast so there's no yeast for the next seven days they would have unle- unleavened bread and that bread and so they'd have the meal uh, and they would have this unleavened bread it's called matsa and matsa it is a flat bread naturally it doesn't you know rise up because there's no yeast and it's got piercings and stripes you see pictures if you look you can see in the net uh, pictures of that matsa piercing and stripes what does that remind you of the passover lamb so actually the passover of those lambs was a shadow of the things to come that jesus would be the lamb who is being sacrificed john the baptist in uh, the gospel of john in the first chapter he says when he sees jesus oh behold the lamb of god jesus truly fill, fulfill the passover so we see even the matsa they would not understand this but we know it that that piercing and the stripes denoted that there would be a, a, a lamb that would be sacrificed for our sins and not only that during that meal uh, yeah this this bread would be kept in a bag with three compartments the first would be a whole bread the second compartment they would break that bread into two and put one piece into the bag and the other piece they would wrap with a linen cloth that is called afikomen and that piece they would go and hide it just seeing how symbolic that is how jesus died and his body was wrapped and he was hidden to the world for a few days and then at the far, as they partook of the passover there are four cups the first cup is a cup of sanctification the second the cup of deliverance the third the cup of redemption and the fourth the cup of acceptance so uh, that is in line with the verse in exodus chapter 6 verses 6 and 7 where it says therefore say to the children of israel i am the lord i will bring you out from under the burdens that is sanctification i'm going to set you apart of the egyptians i will rescue you from their bondage that is i'm going to deliver you i'm going to rescue you from the bondage i will redeem you with an outstretched arm what does it mean to redeem to pay the price for a slave and set them free so i'm going to redeem you that's a third cup and and with great judgments i will take you as my people i'm going to accept you as my children so the four things that they did you know remembering what what uh, how god took them out of uh, out of egypt but when you think of those words that's what jesus did for us he sanctified us yeah he delivered us from the bondages he redeemed us and he's accepted us so beautiful isn't it so what they do is at the meal uh, after eating they, they get ready for the third cup and before they drink the third cup they'll say go find out where the afikomen is that piece of bread that has been covered and the children run cat go find it it's such a you know a, a, a fun activity and they bring it they break it and they partake of it and they drink the cup of redemption so beautiful how that passover signifies what jesus went did the next day that night so incredible and that is the significance of the passover first corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says Jesus is the Passover lamb for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us 
So we are clear about that. He is the Passover lamb. So on that Passover, he's telling them, he's taken part of the cup and all that, and out the food, and he says, in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 16, I'm reading that again. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. There is something I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm not going to partake of this Passover anymore. And then in verse 17 he says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant of my, in my blood which is shed for you. He was talking about his death. And he said, partake of it. So that cup that he took later was the cup of redemption. Now, what is the significance of the Lord's Supper? So I'm going to tell you a few points about how significant it is for us. The first thing, it is the declaration of a new covenant that God has made with us. What is the covenant? A covenant is a binding agreement between two parties. And it's in this case, it's between God and man. So we know, and, and the, in the Old, Old Testament, the covenant was ratified by the blood of animals. But this New Te- Testament covenant is ratified by the blood of Jesus. Jeremiah 31, 33 speaks about this covenant. So in the Old Testament, they already said, the prophets spoke and said, there's going to be a new covenant. And so Jeremiah says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So till then, the law was written on stone. But God says, I'm going to make a new covenant where the law is written in their hearts. Wow, the law is written. We know, we know what is right and wrong and the Holy Spirit is there to help us. So that's a new covenant. And in the book of Ezekiel, God speaks about giving the man a new heart and that he would pour out his spirit. So as I started the sermon also in Pentecost, he pours out his spirit on us. So that is how the new covenant was established. God attests the covenant by presenting the signs of Jesus' blood and body. And as we partake, so we're going to be partaking today of the Lord's Supper. As we partake, we attest that we accept Jesus as our Savior and that we want him to be Lord of everything in our lives. So remember when you partake, this is very important. It's not just a ritual, but this is the covenant. We are reminded of the covenant with God. Yeah? Secondly, it's a remembrance of Christ's death. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23-24 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we remember when we partake that this body is Jesus' body broken for us. And when you take the cup, you remember this is the blood 
that he shed for you. Wow. So incredible, no? We need to remember what Jesus did for us. I can never forget the day I came to know the Lord as a college student. How I just understood. See, I knew the story. I knew that, okay, Jesus died and all these things. But that day, I knew I was a sinner. And that this blood, the price was so much. And I cried to the Lord. I can never forget that. So when you take communion, remember what he has done for you. But not for that, where would we have been? God is so good, he bought us with a price. Yeah? So we're going to remember what he did on the cross and be forever grateful. I was just saying in the Malayalam service that if, if God didn't do anything else for us, just the fact that he died on the cross for us, Jesus, that's enough to be grateful. Yeah? Isn't it enough? He doesn't have to keep on saying that he loves us. That is enough. So when you grumble, just remember, just look at the cross. What he did. The father gave his son, his everything. When people desert you, remember what he has done. When you are walking alone, remember what he has done. So that, tie, that table that we come together, we remember all those things. Yeah? Next, thirdly, what do we do? We participate in the benefits of Christ's death. So we all know that on the cross he took our sins. So we are forgiven. Yes, we are forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. We've been accepted as sons and daughters. And the curse has been broken. So that we can walk in the blessing. You know, dying on the cross was considered to be the curse in the Old Testament. And Jesus chose that way to die for us. That he would be the curse. That we would walk in the blessing. So even if as you partake, just tell the Lord, there may be areas in my life where the curses have come. Lord, reveal that and break those curses today and you will be set free. Yeah? So, he, and then he was wounded not only for our transgressions but for our sickness. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace or shalom was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Wow. So it's so much healing. I have been healed so many times when I've came, come for the Lord's Supper. Every time I'll just come say, Lord, I have this problem, that problem. And I get healed. I can attest that there is healing when we come together and partake of the body of Christ. So believe. Believe. Whatever sickness it is, more than someone else praying for you, even there, he, he is there to heal. So receive that healing. In John's gospel, John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. So I used to read this and think, what is Jesus talking about? And even that day, so many people were offended. How can he say, eat my flesh and drink my blood? 
Just imagine if a preacher spoke like that. You would have left the meeting. But later on he tells them, you're offended? But he goes on to say that the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So it's symbolic of what he is doing. It's only when you come to him in faith that you receive, you're able to abide in him and receive that abundant life. And that life is not an ordinary life. It's a Zoe life. Zoe life means an abundant life. So when we come to him and partake of this, we spiritually we are going to receive nourishment. Hallelujah. If you feel weak and down, you come to the Lord's table, come together and say, Lord, I'm weak. I need your, your life. And the Lord will give that life. Yeah. So we participate in all the benefits of Christ's death. So how many times we just partake without realizing that? But truly today when you partake, or in the coming days when you partake, remember what he has done, and you partake and receive that abundant life. So that's the third thing. Fourthly, it is an act of intimacy with God. When we come together in a meal, it is an act of intimacy. Isn't it? So when you, when you want to you make, you know, uh, you grow closer as friends with others, you call them over for dinner. I know that men, for men, uh, food is a very intimate thing because it's a time when they probably feel more connected. Here also, there is a time of intimacy with the Lord when we partake of the Lord's Supper. In the Old Testament, when, the, when, they gave, when God gave them the law, he said, he told Moses, you and all the elders come before me in my presence and have a meal. So in Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 to 11, it says, Then Moses went up also, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. So establishing, after establishing that old covenant, the Lord says, come and sit in my presence and eat. And even once in a year, uh, in a special thing, when they were giving their tithe, he would tell the people, come in my presence and eat before me. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses, where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So even in the Old Testament, they were come to back together in the presence of the Lord. Here in the New Testament, we come together in the presence of the Lord. So when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you have the, 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 the bread and the wine. The bread symbolizes the body of Christ. The wine symbolizes the blood of Christ. And you have his presence here. There is a special spiritual presence of the Lord when we come together in the Lord's Supper. Just I imagine when I partake, oh Jesus, you're so near. I want to catch that healing. I want to catch your love. I want to know you better. So I should be conscious of his presence. For the word says, where two or more are gathered in my name, they are there. But here even more, because this is a reminder of that covenant, we're coming together and eating in the presence of the Lord. 
So he is ever very much present here in an intimate way. And fifthly, we proclaim the Lord's return. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It is, it's not only that we, we remember what he did in the past. We remember that, we're grateful, but we proclaim, yes, he died, he's risen, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's coming back again. He is coming back again. And who are we declaring that to? I think we have to tell it ourselves also, because otherwise we'll forget. This is the plan. This is the hope we have. So we, we, we are, we're proclaiming to ourselves, to the world around us, to our brothers and sisters here, and to the unseen realm also, to the angels, to the demons, to every other, to every being in the whole world, we are proclaiming that Jesus is coming back again. What a proclamation. Hallelujah. So mighty. So just thinking that when we come together, we are doing that. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, fire around. Such a change, shift in the spiritual atmosphere when we come knowing what we are doing. Yeah? So we proclaim the Lord's return. And next, it's we, the significance is, it is an act of unity and fellowship of the disciples. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. That word communion is konoinia, which means fellowship. So here Paul tells the Corinthians that you have fellowship with Jesus, that's a vertical fellowship, but you also need to fellowship with your brother and sister. So when we come to the table, we need to remember that, yes, we are intimate with the Lord, but we have a brotherly relationship with, our, with others who are partaking with us. Okay? So just imagine when we're coming together, we have that one same hope that he's coming again. We have the faith that this is what Jesus did for us, and we need to have that love for each other. So there is a unity that comes when we partake. So that was the significance. What did I say? That when we come, we are declaring the covenant. We are remembering what Jesus did for us. We are, uh, you know, having an intimacy with God because we are eating in his presence. We are proclaiming what he's going to do. We are appropriating what he did on the cross and also how we are united in fellowship. Let's just, I just want to pray for a minute that we would appropriate the things that God has done, Jesus has done for us on the cross. Right now, just tell the Lord, Lord, today I just want you to, to come into my life in a greater way and I want to appropriate everything that you did for me on the cross. I want to receive that wholeness, that shalom, that healing, that fullness, that abundant life. And as you say that today, I want to receive that and to be whole. And I pray, Father Lord, that you will just help me to have that abundant life that I have abiding with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so we've gone through the significance of the Lord's Supper. Now, who can participate and how should we come to the Lord's Supper? First of all, 
I know every Sunday, Pastor, when he talks, uh, announce, uh, talks, uh, I mean, bring, uh, takes up the communion, he says that we hear that only those disciples, it's a table of disciples, and for those who are baptized. The same way I'd say that, it is a table for disciples. Uh, those who are born again, repented and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and baptized also. There are two ordinances in the New Covenant. One is baptism and the other is communion. Baptism is a public declaration of our faith in what Jesus did. When we are baptized, we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So baptism is a one-time event, ordinance. But communion is a continuous one. Till Christ comes, till, till we die, we will continue renewing it. It's a repetitive ordinance. Baptism is so clearly a symbol of the beginning of our Christian life. But the Lord's Supper is a symbol of the continuing life. So we encourage people to get baptized to receive it. Why? Because that is the first step of obedience. That, okay, Jesus is my Savior. I want the whole world to know that. And so they obey the the Lord in the waters of baptism. And then we can together partake in the body of Christ. Yeah? So that's our requirement. And so some of the children, they ask the parents, I want to partake, I want to partake. But now each of us knows the significance of this meal. And you can explain to them, this is what this means. And when you grow up and you accept the Lord as your Savior, and when you make that commitment in baptism, you will be able to partake in a beautiful way. Okay? So that's how, who can participate. Next is, how do we come to the table? We need to come often. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 and 26 says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So as often... so. Different churches decide how, how frequent they want to have the Lord's Supper. Some churches, they have it every week. We have it four times a month. We have it twice in the Sunday service and twice during the burning altar on Fridays. So it just depends on each church, how their principle is. But to, you need to understand every time we come in, we need to know the significance. But the Lord is saying, do it as often as you can. So we need to do it often. And how, what else do you have to do? You have to come to the Lord's table examining yourself. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 27 and 30 says, to 30 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many asleep. So, uh, so this is what Paul is saying. Paul tells the church, do not eat in an unworthy manner. Yeah? Uh, he says, so that you have to, we have to examine ourselves. Is there any sin in my life? Is there any unforgiveness? If you have, that time itself, just... Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Repent. 
and the Lord will forgive you. Any unforgiveness, settle that as you come to the Lord's table. But because of this verse, so many people, they say, no, no, I'm not taking. I'm not good enough. But that's not what the Lord is meaning. Because none of us are perfect. But he's looking at our state of our heart. Are you repentant? Are you conscious of your sin? Will you ask for forgiveness now? So I've seen a lot of people who just stay away from that, said, no, I'm not in a good season of my life. But here is the life. We heard, no, that we get so much life from this. So don't abstain from it that way. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Repent and partake of the supper. So he says, don't partake in an unworthy manner because that will cause us to have judgment on ourselves. We need to examine ourselves as you partake. And then he says, discern the Lord's body. We need to discern the body. There are two aspects in this. We need to discern what we are partaking of. That's why I taught you all this. That this is truly a a, a symbol of partaking of the body and blood of Christ. And I can't take it lightly. So you need to discern that. And secondly, you need to discern the body of Christ. So what happened in the Corinthian church? They used to go, it was in the homes as I said earlier. And they'd go, some people go early, probably friend's house. It's in my friend's house. I'll go early, eat, drink, get drunk. And finally there was so much chaos during the Lord's Supper. And some people didn't get partake because they had finished it. So the, the, the intent was very sad. So he said, you need to discern the body, the body of Christ, when you take care part of this. You should be able to honor your brothers and sisters here or even the rest of the body of Christ when we partake. Because if we don't, we will be weak, sick, and even some have a premature death. So it's so important. So I just say that, see, remember, we are partaking together as a body at this time as brothers and sisters. But even outside the church, discern the body and honor your brother and sister in Christ so that when we come together, we may not fall sick. Okay? Yeah? So we need to discern the body. How do we come? We come in reverence. Because... This is something Jesus did for us. There was much sacrifice. We were bought with a price. I know uh, sometimes when we don't understand, our reverence is reduced. But today, I'm telling you, this is what the Lord did for us. So I encourage each of us, whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, come together in reverence, knowing of the sacrifice, knowing what he did for us, and come with that honor, with that fear of the Lord, that this is something very special. And we are going to celebrate this later on. That is, the Lord's Supper looks forward to a time when we will eat with Jesus in heaven at the marriage of the Supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19 verse 9 says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. I am so excited. This is only the trailer. The movie comes later on. So every time we partake, this is just something small. But when we go to heaven, we're going to have the full course meal, celebrating with our Lord and Savior. So we have such a hope. Yeah? So even as I leave you today, thinking about what the Lord's Supper is, I just want to remind you, we are declaring that God has made a new covenant with us, remembering 
what Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. We are appropriating the benefits of the death of Christ. This is an act of intimacy with God. We are coming together as one body as we partake. We are proclaiming Jesus' death and that he will return in glory. This is the hope that we have, church. And this Lord's Supper reminds us of this hope we have. Everything else we may lose, but this hope is there. This hope of Jesus coming back. This hope of that supper that we're going to have with him. So I just pray, let's just, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper right now. And I want you to take it meaningfully. Because we have just reminded ourselves. And for some of you who didn't know what the meaning is, today the Lord has spoken through me what the meaning is. And I want us all to partake in a very meaningful manner and receive that healing, receive that forgiveness, receive the blessing today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in. 